Bad news, good news. The bad news, the good news. Um, we'll be sharing that in just a little bit. I want to go ahead and give you this, that today we're going to be talking about the bad news. And we'll close with some good news. Next week, I intend to give you a little bit more detail on the good news. So we're going to really enjoy next week. This week's going to be a bit of a challenge to us as we talk about the bad news. But maybe you heard the story, uh, and uh, I don't know, uh, you might have heard about the lawyer who was defending the client who was accused of a violent crime. And the lawyer said, well, I have some good news and some bad news. And the client said, give me the bad news first. And his lawyer said, well, the bad news that some of your blood was found at the crime scene. And the client said, oh no, I'm ruined, I'm ruined. What could possibly be good news in this? And the lawyer said, well, your cholesterol is 130. So sometimes you get good news along with the bad news. You might never hear something like that in your life. But you and I need to know that there is good news and there is bad news scenario for every person on this planet. Every person on this planet. Each one of us. There's a bad news, good news kind of scenario. Let's read our passage today in John chapter 3, verse 36. Very short passage of Scripture, but so pregnant with, with information that's just wanting to burst off the page and speak to us. In verse 36, he says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. See, that's good news. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Bad news. Let's begin with the bad news. The closing words of the text, we have them there. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That is really bad news for anyone who does not know Jesus as their Savior. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus as Savior from sin... Come into your life and change you from the inside out to save you from that sin. There is bad news today. And I'd like to unpack this little statement here in this passage, if we might, today, and see what he's trying to say to us on this subject. Let's look first at this. It says, He who does not obey the Son. Obey. What does it mean to obey? We have it there, to assent, to evidence or authority, to trust or yield. That word, that little verb there, obey, is pytho. And it's a primary verb to convince. It means to be convinced. I believe this. This is true. It's to believe, to yield, to trust, to obey, to give assent to, to rely on inwardly, to agree with. This is what I do. I agree that He is the Son of God. I agree that He is the Savior. I agree that He is Lord. I believe that He is God with us, I am obeying Him. But it says, He who does not obey Him, who does not put this into his life, that person is in bad shape. We'll continue on. This is a great, this little word here, obey, is a great word to help us to understand what it really means to trust in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. I've said it a number of times through the years and continue to say it, that when Jesus came to be our Savior, He came to save us. Some people think, well, I don't feel very lost. I know where I am. I know my way home. 
I know my way to the grocery store. I know my way to where I need to get around town. I can get to work. I don't feel very lost. You see, they've missed the entire point. It's not about being lost geographically. It's about being lost in terms of relationship with the living God who is our creator, who came to be our savior, who died for our sin, rose again that we can have life. And without him, we are lost in our sin. And so Jesus came to be our savior and he came to save us from something that we need to be saved from. And that something is sin. And that sin is what separates us from God now and for eternity. He came to save us. Separation from God. That's what sin does for us. And here's what the Bible has to say about those who are separated from God by sin eternally. Jesus, or Paul is, is writing to the church at Thessalonica in his second letter to the church at Thessalonica. He's writing to those people and saying, listen, there's some people that are giving you a hard time. And I want you to understand that, that in this world, we're going to have difficult days. And there are people who are not going to agree with us as children of God. There are people who are not going to agree with us as Christians. They're not going to believe what we say about Jesus. They're going to give you a hard time. Sometimes they're even going to persecute you. So he's kind of saying that in, in context of this passage. But in that, he says this. He said, the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. There's coming a day when that's going to happen. And he says he's going to be dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey. 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 See, that's our word back here in our text today. Those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord. When we have not given assent to it, when we have agreed, when we've not agreed with it, when we've not trusted Him, when we've not believed in Him, yielded our life into His hand, that He might save us from that which separates us from Him, take it out of our life. We don't want to live in sin anymore. We want to live a life that is pleasing to the one who came to be our Savior. But He says to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, these will pay the penalty of, get this, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. You believed it. Thank God for that. But for all those who don't, Jesus is coming. Flaming retribution is going to come against those who are not believers, those who do not obey the gospel. But listen to what it says. Eternal destruction. Eternally being destroyed, but never able to be fully and completely destroyed. Always being destroyed. Always dying. Always in the hurt and torment of the flames of the place Jesus called hell forever and forever and forever. And it never, never ends. Those who do not obey the Son of God. Do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word for obey gives us a lot of truth about trusting in Jesus as Savior. And then it goes on forward about yielding to His authority from a posture of bringing our lives into obedience to His authority. That's what that's about. Now, according to this passage, those who do not obey Him 
will not see life. See. What does it mean, see? I like this word, to gaze upon with eyes wide open at something remarkable. And it is. I've had the privilege to travel a lot of this world. Thanks to your tax dollars, Uncle Sam took me on an aircraft carrier around the world. And a few other places. Been to England. Traveled by train from Portsmouth to London and seeing all those rolling hills and those cottages and it's beautiful. In France, driving through the Gorge de Loup in those mountains and, and what a beautiful thing it is and seeing the fields of flowers from which they make so many perfumes and I brought uh, Susan who was the fiance at the time, two weeks later became my wife uh, when I got back, brought her some perfume from, from France and I've seen those things and it's absolutely gorgeous. Travel the western United States and, and seen some of God's beauty on this place. It's remarkable to see those things. But he's not talking about geography here and things that we can see in this life. He's saying that those of us who do not trust, obey, yield to Christ, if we do not give our life to Him, then he says we will not see life. Now those who try to tell us that uh, if we do not see life, then we're not going to have it. Well, let's look on at this next word in this passage. He says, we will not see life. Life means to live or have life. Interesting word in Greek here, zoe, to have life. We're, we're alive. We're able to see. We're cognizant. We know what's going on around us. We're aware of our surroundings. And in this life, we are truly aware of our surroundings. We know where we are today. We can look around and look at this place and say, man, this is great. Somebody ought to make a church out of this place, you know. Uh, we, we know where we are. We're in, we're in God's house. We're aware of that. But he said, those who do not obey Christ will not be able to gaze upon real life. They won't, be, they won't be able to be aware of, they won't be able to be cognizant of the presence and power and beauty of who God is in Christ. They miss that completely. They'll not see real life. Now, there are those who tell us, Brother Tommy, that, that when this means that they will not have life and that eternal destruction comes upon them, then, then that means that whenever they die, they pay for their sins for a while and then later on, they're just totally annihilated and they're gone and there is no more and their consciousness, their awareness is gone. That's it. It's all over with. The problem with that thinking is that there's too much in the scripture about eternally being destroyed, as we've read a few minutes ago, about eternal destruction. There's too much in there about where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched in that place called hell. And it goes on forever and forever and forever. And that eternal is real and it's true and it's there. When he talks about this eternal destruction in 2 Thessalonians that we read just a few moments ago, it is the exact same word as used in John 3.16 that we all know so well. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life, eternal. It's the same word Aonion, Aonion. It's an interesting word. It means the forever of the forevers. It goes on and it goes on and it goes on. It's an adjective for you English teachers. It's an adjective. It means it describes something. And so he says, those who do not obey the Son, trust in Him, will not be able to behold and see and enjoy 
this thing called life that is a connection with the giver of life. They'll never see that. And when they leave this world going into eternal destruction, they will not be aware of any of the joy and the beauty and the grace and the goodness of God because they will be in that place where there is an absence from the Lord. There is an absence of joy. There is an absence of life. There is an absence of anything that is right and good and real. It is the complete opposite of that. That's what hell is. That's what it means. That's awful. That's bad news. Those who have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ will be in that eternal destruction forever and forever. That adjective eternal describes the life that is ours in Christ. We will be cognizant. We will be aware. We will have that. And we will be enjoying it forever and forever. For those who do not obey him, they will not see life. They will not be aware of the presence and power and person of Christ forever. The absence of everything that is good. Jesus only knew one way to describe it. He called it hell. He called it hell. And it's awful. But it goes on to say they won't only not see life but the wrath of God abides on them. Did you notice that in this passage? He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Wrath. Violent passion is what that word means. Violent passion. And it's not God's will for folks to have to go through that. He gave us Jesus to be our Savior. He came down from heaven, invested himself in life, and lived among us so that he could experience life like us, and yet without sin, so that he could take our sin that had separated us from himself and die with it on the cross so that our sin debt could be paid and we could have eternal life. That's good news. But those who refuse him say, I do not want that. I will not trust Him. I will not give my life to Him. And the wrath of God abides on Him. Violent passion. What is that? It is the absence of everything good. It's not God's will that we go there. In the book of Ezekiel, it's interesting how he's looking at his people Israel after they had turned their back on him. And he said this to them, Brother Roger. He said, he said Why will you die, O Israel? I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't take any pleasure in that. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to know Him in the true forgiveness of sin and salvation. That's why He came. But He said, if you do not trust Me, then I have no choice but to let what you have chosen for yourself be the experience and you've chosen to be without God and when you've chosen to be without Him, then when you die and leave this world as everyone does, it is appointed unto man to die once and after this the judgment, those who, have no, who know Christ will be with Him forever experiencing life, the joy, the presence of God. Those who do not obey the Son will not see life but will have the absence of God. And folks, the only way Jesus knew how to describe that was this. It's wrath. It's violent. It's the absence of goodness. It's the absence of joy. It's the absence of light. It's the absence of God. That's the wrath of God when He's just not there. Everything that's opposite, that's what it is. And it isn't pretty. It isn't pretty. That's bad news. That's real bad news. 
But you go on a little bit deeper and he says, he does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Abides. It dwells. Lives there. It remains. It stays. It's not going anywhere. Always going to be present. Every moment. Every tick. Every millisecond. Always. 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 Eternally. 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 Forever and forever and forever. That absence of God abides. Abides. Forever and forever. That's bad news. That's bad news. This place called hell where the sweet presence of God is not stays with the non-believer forever and forever. The bad news for those who do not obey the Son, do not trust in Him, they will not be able to see, gaze upon, or enjoy life, real life, life that is in God. God is the giver of life. He is life. They will miss that because they will be spending eternity ever aware of the absence of God. Eternally being destroyed, but never being able to die in it. Bad news. We'll close this morning with a touch on the good news. The good news, you don't have to experience that. The good news is that does not have to be your experience forever. The good news, getting on to the good news earlier, I asked you to look at the closing words of the text. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. We, turn what, we discovered what that word obey means, to trust in, to believe in. And then we back up to the first part of our text, and it says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. Eternal life. Aineon. That, that, that same word, that same word, forever and forever and forever. It is our life with Him. What a blessing. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. If you've trusted Him as your personal Savior, then you are in the good news today. You're in the good news. And there is so much about this good news that is really, really good really good. And we're going to kick that around a little bit next Sunday morning. Okay? So we all want to be here next week and find out what all is in that good news. But today I want to challenge you with this. Leave it with this challenge as we dwell on the bad news. Search your heart. Not the one beside you. Either side. Not the one sitting in front of you or behind you. Around you. You look inside yourself today. Good for all of us. Look inside and say, do I know that I know that I know that I know that there was a time in my life when I said, yes, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. You are the Savior. You came down from heaven. You lived with us a sinless life and you took our sin and died with it on the cross. And you took that life back in resurrection power so that I could have life if I would trust my life into your hands. 
give it to you. Put my, that's what that word trust, believer means. It means to rely on, put your whole weight down in his hand. Put your life in his hands. Lord, it's not my life anymore, it's yours. I trust you to be my savior. You came to save me from sin. So it doesn't control my life anymore. But I want to be yours and I want to serve you. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you trusted him as Savior? If so, thank God. If not, we don't want to see you in that bad news. We don't want to see that. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're here. That's why we sing these songs. That's why we stand here and do this. That's why Jesus came so that you don't have to. Today, if you honestly have to say, I can't place that in my life. The time that I've trusted him as my Savior, I would encourage you to bow your heart before the Lord right now and say, Lord, it's me. It's me. I'm the one that the preacher's talking to today. I'm the one your spirit is talking to. Will you forgive me of my sin? Come into my heart and be my Savior today. I have good news for you. If that's the desire of your heart, He'll do it. That's why He came. He loves you. And He wants that for you. That's good news. Would you trust Him today?